Hello, and welcome to The Tattooed Mind, a podcast where we explore the intersection of mental health, self-care, and the art of tattooing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing stories, insights, and inspiration from artists who have struggled and overcome obstacles in their lives and careers. My name is Mike Fisher Dubois, and if you would like to help support this podcast, you can do that by sharing it with a friend or tattooer who you think would enjoy what we have to say. You can also donate to help keep our host happy and help me to afford microphones. There's a link in the show description to do that. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Anthony Legilia. Anthony is a good friend of mine. He's a coworker and honestly, just one of the best men that I know. He's a very talented tattooer who's only been tattooing for about four years now. He shares his story about what made him switch career paths and start a second life as a tattoo artist. We also spend time talking about how important it is to make deep connections with the people that we work with. This episode is filled with several inside jokes and a lot of friendly banter, as you should expect from two people who know each other as well as we do. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Here's Anthony. My name is Anthony Legilia. I've been tattooing for um, almost four years now. Currently, I tattoo at West Loop Tattoo Collective in Chicago. I primarily tattoo realism, predominantly black and gray. I've been slowly sneaking more and more color realism into my uh my work which uh, i'm a big fan of i really have been enjoying working with color um and yeah so tattooing now coming on four years it was definitely uh, a rocky start uh i i started i feel like comparatively when you talk to most tattooers they kind of got into tattooing more at a young age um uh, like late teens, fresh out of high school. I've heard, I've heard most people starting around there and I didn't start until I was 27. Um, I had several jobs, um, lined up that I was able to very easily have a comfortable living with, but I just did not have the satisfaction that I was seeking. I didn't feel fulfilled in what I was doing. Um, when I moved home from college in 2015, I didn't graduate. I couldn't, I couldn't find a, even then I couldn't find a path I wanted to stick with, uh, the idea that I had to pick, you know, one major one path and, and that was going to be my degree. And that was going to be the field I, I stuck with for life. It just seemed too daunting and, and too scary. And I quite frankly, just didn't want to. Didn't want to pick anything um, for fear of, you know, not having fulfillment, not having the the life that I wanted. So I moved home, started working for my dad in the mortgage industry. And I did that for, I want to say, about three years. Um, I got good at it. And I, I definitely had, at least at the time, you know, the state of the market nowadays is just absolutely bananas. But um, at the time I had uh, a very stable, foreseeable future. I could have had a comfortable living doing that. I had benefits, um, but it got 
uh, very old, very quick. I think after three years, I was like looking for, I mean, even before three years, I was looking for a way out, but I didn't really have a foot in the door anywhere because I had no degree, um, no real jumping off point. Um, and I, I just didn't have any kind of real understanding or awareness of, of like the corporate world and what I was qualified for, what I was capable of. There's so many jobs out there that seem so obscure, um, that most people don't even know about that many people have a, you know, a, a means to make a stable living off of. I, I just didn't have any of that knowledge. So I got a break in 2018 uh, when my uncle offered me a job with his sprinkler fitting company as an engineer. He was going to give me on the job training to design uh, sprinkler systems for installation. And most of the jobs I worked on were uh, very, very small. Uh, you know, and he had a nice certified engineer that I worked with who would review all the work I did and ultimately make his corrections and put his stamp on it once it was uh, appropriate for the job. And I did that for about eight months. Um, that was also fun. I got good at that too, but it, it got old even quicker than the mortgage thing. Um, and I, I didn't have really anywhere to go from there. I, all this, all the while, uh, you know, it's worth, it's worth saying to give full context, it's worth saying that I had kind of avoided, uh, a career in art. My, all my life I've, I've been an artist. I've been creative and I've been artistic. I've been good at drawing, you know, most, uh, most mediums I was able to pick up pretty quickly, um, and run with. But I always was told growing up that, you know, if I picked a career in art, it, it's so funny. I have to, I'm going to backpedal a minute. The, the, the two, um, like contrasting things that I was always told growing up is, oh, you're so good at art. You got to do something with this. And then at the same time, it's like, no, don't, don't pursue a career in art because it's, it's not going to give you a stable living. And the term starving artist exists for a reason. And, you know, you're not going to make it, you're not going to be able to provide for yourself, much less anybody else, a family, you know, a household, it's just not going to happen for you. So that really stuck with me and dictated a lot of how I chose to go about becoming, you know, a, a, in the workforce. So <clears throat> fast forward back to 2018, as I'm working for my uncle, you know, over eight months, especially, I just started to have this feeling welling up inside me saying, you have this ability that kind of comes naturally to you that you're really ignoring. You're you're not really doing anything with it and you haven't really given yourself a fair chance at seeing if you could make anything of it. And that was my, um, my thought process working with my uncle as I was nearing the end of it. And I said, you know what, I need to quit this job and I need to pursue art in some way, any way I can just throw, you know, everything you can into it. Because if you don't, you're going to live the rest of your life 
wondering if you could have made something better for yourself out of it. You're going to, you're going to regret it. And I said, this is the one thing in a long time where I feel like I can have some control. And I went for it. I quit working for my uncle and I took a job at a coffee shop, um, just to make ends meet. It was rough to my wife and I, or she was my girlfriend at the time. She was in a dead end job that was affording her no ability to progress, uh, no ladder for her to climb. So we, we both decided to change careers and we had to give up our apartment, you know, our independent living. We moved back in with her parents uh, who were gracious enough to offer us a place to live. I was hoping it was going to be six months. It ended up being two and a half years. Um, but it, it was a, just to touch on this for a moment, that, that was the pivotal um, thing in our lives that enabled us to, to be where we are now. That was a springboard for us. We didn't have a housing expense. It, it, like if ever there was a time for me to change careers and try to pursue art, that was it. And that was the only way I could do it. Um, so I worked at a coffee shop, as I said, uh, and I started at the time I was just like, what artists do, you know, and there were artists I followed on Twitter who had a substantial following just because they drew like pictures every day and, and uploaded them. And, you know, some of the, some of the art was absolutely unbelievably, uh, skilled, like just amazing amazing artwork super detailed uh there's this one realism artist i follow whose name i can't pronounce <laughs> but um you know his work his work especially uh was influential to me i'm gonna try it it's a grek ball um he does these absolutely insane hyper realism drawings and graphite and charcoal and, and colored pencil and i was looking at his um his work which spoke to me uh also because it's realism and that's sort of where i found a natural uh rhythm and i said i could i could do this you know i'm seeing what he's doing and i can replicate this i can draw i can upload pictures of my drawings and the process so so i just tried to make art um is you know as often as i could when I wasn't working at the coffee shop, I was working on a drawing. I started uh, doing wood burning uh, pyrography, which uh, even now is one of my favorite mediums outside of tattooing. Um, and I'm just doing these like hyper realistic or as realistic as I could get it. You know, even then, like my my skills and my uh, attention to detail has just gotten better the more I've done it. Um, but I would make these wood burnings and drawings and upload them portraits of people uh pop culture that sort of thing and i it did get a little bit of traction i sold prints um i i found a studio that would print my work and i would be made a website i sold stuff and even that it wasn't anything substantial or i could be like okay i can make a living off this all my bills are paid it definitely wasn't at that level yet but even one sale of a print i consider a success you know, I, I don't think, I, I don't expect to like become an overnight sensation. You know, that's not a realistic expectation for an artist or really anybody, anybody who creates. Um, and 
it was it was still challenging like it definitely got frustrating realizing like okay this is this is happening but it's not it's still not at a level where i can just do this and only this and then one day at the coffee shop i uh had a guy walk in who was a tattooer at one of the local shops uh he's a today he's a good friend of mine his name's robbie and we um you know i recognized him from the tattoo shop so i struck up a conversation with him talked to him a little bit about tattooing but more so wanted to um show him my artwork and see you know what his uh perspective on it was because i knew he was an artist and i thought maybe maybe this guy could point me in a direction or give me some valuable input about what i'm doing and if there was something i could do to put myself in a better position and i showed him some of the work i had done and he told me why aren't you tattooing you can do this why why aren't you tattooing and i had never really thought about it before um tattooing for up until that moment i never considered tattooing was a viable source of income for anybody i i always thought tattooers like always had other jobs and like they did it on the side and and he kind he kind of like called he was like you're an idiot if you don't if you don't start tattooing with you know this stuff you can do so he likes to say even today that he sort of bullied me into my career uh and he really did he he was like like dude you're so dumb. You're not tattooing. This is ridiculous. Like, why are you got to go do this? Um, but he's like one of the sweetest, nicest people I know. Uh, and he actually, we exchanged information and he followed up with me and he said, Hey, have you gone out and tried to get an apprenticeship yet? And I said, well, I don't really know how to do that. <laughs> so he's like, here's what you do. You put together a portfolio of your work and you go to a tattoo shop and you ask for an apprenticeship. <laughs> You, you try to show them your work and you see if somebody's willing to teach you. Um, and I said, okay, so that's what I did. And I went to do one day, one day I decided I was going to go do this. So I put my portfolio together and I went to the closest tattoo shop to my house. And I walked in and I asked for an apprenticeship and I don't even think that one looked at my work. They were just like, nope, there's the door. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was right away, like pretty um, disheartening because it's like, well, they didn't even they didn't even give me the chance to show them my, you know, my artwork. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to stop at one. So I went to I ended up going to seven shops that day. Um, and the, after the sixth one, you know, it was just the next closest shop and the next closest at the sixth shop. I was like, all right, maybe I'll just call it for today and try this another day. But then I looked to see where the next closest one was. And it was like three quarters of a mile down the road in Crestwood. So I was like, okay, I'll just do one more and then I'll go home for the day. And that ended up being the shop that offered me the apprenticeship. Uh, so I was ecstatic about that. It didn't, it didn't like, it wasn't immediate. Uh, I talked to the owner. Um, he's a great guy. His name's Demetrius. I talked to him. And he initially told me he already had an apprentice. Um, 
but I showed him my work and he was impressed and he's, he, I could see that he was considering it. And that was the most, um, engagement and, and, um, the most, uh, potential I had seen all day. So he spoke with me about it a little bit, you know, and he had mentioned that he was a little dissatisfied with his current apprentice because he didn't feel that they were doing enough, didn't show enough drive, enough motivation. And I just took that opportunity to double down and be like, man, this is, I, this is like my only chance to, to make something of my life. I, I mean, I don't think I made it sound as dramatic as that, but it was, it was definitely, I took the opportunity to express how eager I was to get in there and learn and that I wanted to do this. And I didn't hear from him for a month. He messaged me um, a month after I had gone in and he said, Hey, you know, I let my apprentice go. If you want to come in and we can talk about this again. And uh, I think I'd be, I'd be glad to have you. Um, so he sent me that a month after I came in and I didn't see that message until a month after he sent it <laughs> because it was in my message requests on Instagram. And I don't really, you know, I, I hadn't made a habit of looking there at all. So once I saw that, I thought I had already blown it. I was like, I didn't get back to this guy for a month. He's gonna, he's not even going to be interested at this point, but I was like, I still got to try. So I messaged him back and, and he, he was like, yeah, come on in. Um, and I started there, um, in, uh, I want to say like the spring of 2019, uh, around April, May, some, sometime like that. And, uh, it just, it just progressed from there, but it was definitely, um, it was hard. There were a lot of times where I questioned if this was the right thing I was doing, if, you know, if I really wanted this. Um, just based on how it was going, I got a lot of pushback from family, you know, nobody really just outright told me that they disagreed with or were unhappy with what I was doing. Um, but there were people, you know, like I could see that there were doubts. I could see that people were like, you're, you you want to be a tattoo artist? Like, do you think that's gonna, you think that's gonna get you a stable life? You think you're going to be able to buy a house and and provide for yourself doing tattoos? Okay. Um, but I I stuck with it, and I eventually made believers out of all of them. Um, and it was like to this day, I, I tat tattooing has completely changed my life uh, and every everything about it, you know. I, I have, I have a house now. I have, my wife and I have cars. We're married. We were able to pay for pretty much our entire wedding ourselves. Um, all because I, uh, I got into tattooing and I just, I, you know, lived on the grind. Uh, I had, you know, debt that we needed to get out of. And, and again, this, to circle back, the fact that we had no living expense for pretty much the entire duration of my apprenticeship, um, and a couple of years after that, like I was able to really save money and and totally turn our financial situation around. As people saw that, they came to understand, okay, this this is going to work for him. He's 
he's actually able to make something out of this. It just went up from there. I worked at that first shop for for a while. I uh, eventually got to a point where I felt like I was ready to branch out and, and move somewhere else. I found myself uh, talking with, uh, with Josh over at West Loop. Um, funny enough, this was also uh, a result of Robbie bullying me into making that change because uh, Josh put out a one ad for for a realism artist and Robbie sent me the ad and he was like, hey, Josh Grable over at West Loop Tattoo Collective is is looking for an artist. You should shoot him an email. And I was like, I, mean, I don't know, you know, that's Chicago. And I like I, I was not feeling like like I, I look at Josh's work and I would be like, I can't work in the same room as this guy. Like my work is nowhere near as as vibrant, as realistic as this. And Robbie again basically was like, You're an idiot if you don't shoot him an email. Like, what's the worst he can say? No. Um, and so I was like, Okay, I guess I'll do it. And I shot Josh an email and he responded like within an hour. And then I met with him the next morning. And then I had a job at Westloop. It was like it was just the most surreal sequence of events thank you so much for sharing dude um you know that's it's cool to get to talk with somebody who is so freshly remembering what that real life was like you know not that mm -hmm. tattooing isn't real life but i feel like for me personally i've been in tattooing for long enough now that sometimes I forget that other jobs exist and that that it, this is a very different culture and community than most people get to live in. Um, so, so I almost lose some appreciation for it. So it's nice to be reminded of that, you know? Um, yeah. And then, so you, you mentioned twice uh, how you, got to stay with your in-laws um, during your apprenticeship and kind of when you were in this transitional phase. And mm -hmm. I think that's such a cool acknowledgement that you had assistance because I see so many guys out there who pull this whole like, oh, you got to do it by your bootstraps and nobody yeah, was dude. there to help me. <laughs> Like that, I mean, that's all like bullshit, you know. It's all like, bullshit, dude. I, I, dude, I flat out could not have done it without without my in laws, man. I, th there's no way I would have not had the ability to, you know, to take the time to really see it through. Yeah, it would have. I, I would have gotten frustrated. I would have had, you know, the realization of like, man, my bills are piling up, and this just isn't working fast enough for me. I got to figure out something else, and I would have abandoned it. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you were really blessed to have like a very direct sort of, you know, assistance in that. But I, I guess, you know, like it's sort of one of those things where when anybody looks back on their life honestly and openly, if mm -hmm. they can't see that they're getting that help from somewhere, then I, I feel like they'll never appreciate what they have you know because they think they did it all and they think they're somehow like magically like hyper deserving of it um you know we all work hard but 
we, we can't do it without other people. So <laughs> told, absolutely, man. Like there's no, the, the, the concept of the self-made man, the self-made person, it's not real. It's not real. I mean, I'm not trying to dis, uh, disregard the hard work that people put into chasing their goals and making them reality. But that doesn't happen without making connections and without, you know, getting a helping hand from someone from time to time, somebody giving you a chance or an opportunity to, to allow you to fall back on, on them and rely on them to be able to take that step forward. It's, it's so important to, to always know that that's part of your, of your upbringing of, of like where you got to where you are. And I, I remind myself of it every single day. I never, ever go a day at work ungrateful for, for the situation I'm in. And on the days where I'm feeling like, you know, I have low days, everybody has low days, but I, I make it a point to actively try to find a reason to be happy every day because I have one and there's always going to be one. Um, and it really is, I mean, it took a while for it. Like it's, it's a conscious practice, a conscious effort to say, Hey, I've got all these things going on right now that aren't great. You know, they're not, uh, ideal, not things that I would like to have going on right now, but I also have all this going on and this is, this is pretty amazing. This is an amazing reason to be happy, to smile, to know that I can, I can move forward and I can focus on, on the things in my life that are going well. And I can acknowledge the things that I want to work on, but I'm not going to let those things ruin everything else for me. And that's part of like, that's one of the things is knowing like, Hey, look where you are. Look at what you've been able to do because of the help you've gotten, but, but, but the, the opportunity that was given to you, um, through that help. So, um, for anybody listening, Anthony and I work together and I can confirm that he is almost always an incredibly happy guy. I think <laughs> maybe like twice in the almost year and a, in the over a year and a half that we've been working together. Have I seen him in a slightly not good mood? Um, and you could hardly tell like his not good mood is about at the same level as my like just mood. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and I am legitimately always like amazed by people who can have that sort of attitude. Um, it's just something that I've never been able to grasp onto, man. You know, like, I mean, they get me all loaded up full of medication to try and keep me from being like Mr. Eeyore. And <laughs> you if know, I can comment on that for a second, man, that's, I feel like that's like a, such a prominent thing in our generation. People are so eager to want to be like self-deprecating and, and just sort of, not really like like negativity is almost like most people's comfort zone and it's it's um it's something that like i i understand because i've like been there but 
at the same time, it's like, man, I just don't under, I don't understand why it's so seems so universal. Um, and you know, it's something that I'm just, I'm, I'm again, like it's, it's the everyday battle of like, all right, let's find a, let's find a reason to be happy today. Um, because it's, it's so easy to sink back into that because it's familiar. Um, and I just sort of made the choice. I was like, I just don't, I just don't want to live that way. I think that's, uh, a rather suboptimal way to listen. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm being, uh, you know, I mean, not being frank about it. Um, and I, I just always try to, like, I see, I see that. And I just want to like, uh, I want to lift people up, people around me. I'm trying to always not just be, um, you know, happy for myself, but I want to, I want to try to bring as, as much of that to the people around me as I can. Hey, and you certainly do. Um, you say that it's a conscious choice to do that then. So so that's not like what's your first jump isn't to be happy about shit. Your first jump is probably usually to the other end and you're almost like catching yourself or what well, do you mean by that? I'm what I mean is like, it, it, it is a conscious choice, um, but it's something that's become more and more second nature. The more I've just stuck with it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a behavioral practice. If, if, if you say, okay, uh, like, here's a perfect example. Um, if I spill my drink on the floor and it's all over the place and I just, uh, you know, I lost a drink that I spent like five bucks on. I don't know if I went to Starbucks or whatever, but I can like, I can immediately get angry and upset about it, or I can pause and process it and recognize that, Hey, this, this is really small. This is, this is a, a minor inconvenience at best. Yeah, I lost my drink, but it's, um, it's not something I need to let dictate the flow of the rest of my day. Um, and it's just like moments like that where you, you sort of check yourself and then it just becomes easier and easier to do it. Uh, because you've done it before and it becomes that thing that's comfortable. That's easy to slip back into. Do you think those like thought habits, let's call them, uh, tie together with any physical habits? Like, do you use like meditation or is there like some fidget that you catch yourself doing when you're like switching those gears in your head? Um, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it, I've tried meditation and, um, I do, I do enjoy it, but I don't think I get as much out of meditation as, as most people who practice it. For me, I think what really helps is, um, regulating my breathing. That's a physical practice that definitely has, it can go a long way. If you measure your breath and you focus on it, it really, for me, um, helps to clear my head. Um, and look at things more objectively. So we're going to switch gears here. What's your favorite part about tattooing? My, oh man, my favorite part about tattooing. Uh, <laughs> man, there's so many things I could say, like just right, like, like surface level, dude. I, don't, I think there are a few things more satisfying than just pulling a crispy ass line, dude. <laughs> like 
Uh, I don't often do pieces with line work because um, I do focus more on the realism stuff, which is more about just blending and, and using the mags. But um, on, a, on a deeper level, I think one of my favorite things about tattooing is the, uh, the connection with the client. Um, I'm always like, I love meeting people. I love talking about them. I love hearing their stories about, you know, why they're getting this tattoo. You know, I always sit with my clients for like at minimum four hours, you know, for each session. And, you know, you know better than most how talkative I am. So I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I just, I love, I love conversing with people and, and finding common ground with them on you know really any level i can um because it's such a funny thing man being a tattoo artist is is such like you're already inherently doing something that's a you know on a very intimate level with that client they're coming to you and trusting you with a piece of permanent art that you are literally putting into their body like in their skin and there's something um, already so vulnerable, vulnerable about that. Um, so to have that person already trust you with something like that really is like, you know, like the foot in the door for me as the artist to just be like, well, let's get to know this person a little more. Like, I, I don't want to just like the way I tattoo is I don't I don't want to ever get to a point where I feel like my client is just a number on a ledger um, because every single person has, you know, a rich, full life that's full of stories that I would just, you know, I love to have a little bit of a window into. And so that's probably my, honestly, that is without any, any sort of hesitation. That's my favorite part about tattooing is, is just connecting with my clients. I, I would totally agree with you there, man. Like it's, you know, it's, it's certainly my favorite part too. I love getting to know people and both of us work similarly where it's like long sessions and multiple sessions, mm-hmm. you know, so we're not just, you know, meeting somebody for a day and having to, you know, be like the bartender who's your buddy. We're, mm-hmm. we're like actually getting to know people and, um, you know, we find out about their kids and, you know, you really, you, their kids and their job and their worries mm-hmm. and their wins, you know, and, and they share that shit with us. And it's super cool. I mean, in a lot of ways, tattoo artists are like almost basically prostitutes, you know, we're, <laughs> we're touching someone, we're getting you know, like we're, we're literally touching them for, you know, five hours. We're talking to them. We've got our head inches away from theirs. You know, our faces oh, are right yeah, next man. to each I, other. I, the way I we're, we're you, penetrating like, them even, yeah. you know, we're, you're inside of your clients, man. <laughs> oh man. You, you just made it sound so dirty. <laughs> uh, That's no, why you got to wear a rubber. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. And I like, just to go back on what you said about like a follow-up session, like, yeah, most of the, it's rare that I have a piece that I can knock out in one session, um, you know, to be able to, to do it justice and make it the best that it can be. It's almost always going to be multiple sessions, especially when you're doing larger scale work. And, and I, you know, 
when I'm talking with that client and I see him again, like I take note of the things that they tell me before. And I'm like, you know, hey, you said your kid was, was, I don't know, having like issues at school or something like, hey, how's that going? You know, has, have you seen any, like, I, I, I actively take note and remember those things because I, I'm like, I want to ask them about this later because I really do care. Like I, if this person is willing to come and give me hours of their life, you know, and then their money, it's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just brush this off. Like this is, this is important to them. Why yep. shouldn't it be important to me? It, you know, as far as maintaining that relationship. Totally. And I think a lot of people overlook some of that too, you know, where they think of it is like, this is how I get this client to want to come back and get more work from me. So sometimes they'll do it for that reason, you know, or they'll just want a, like a good Yelp review or they're just bored and a friendly person. But there's also a little bit too, where like your client is going to remember you for the rest of their fucking life. They have a reminder of you of that day of that afternoon. And in truth, you will probably forget that client. You know, eventually, like, you're not going to remember somebody anymore. Um, yeah, man. And, and I totally gonna, get it. Yeah. So for us to not make an effort to show them that they're important to us too it is really, like, just one of the worst things that we can do in this career, I feel. You mm -hmm. know? Because, like... I, you don't want to like look at a you wouldn't want to look at a tattoo on you and be like fuck i don't like it doesn't even matter how good it looks like the guy who did that was a jerk like yeah man that would be I, a terrible feeling that would be a terrible feeling um yeah i totally get that and i'll be honest man like i so i i keep a detailed ledger of every tattoo i do um really just you know for for tax purposes i always want to make sure I'm keeping my, my income logged, but I always put notes in there. Like this is the client's name. This is the description of the tattoo. And I can go back and I can look at most of those uh, lines on that ledger. And I can remember that client's face and remember that tattoo. But I start looking back a couple of years. I could, I could have someone come in with a tattoo I did on them. Like in, in the first couple of years of my, um, my career, and I've, I've just probably just a 50, 50 chance that I may or may not remember that I even did that tattoo. Yeah. Um, but the, like, as I've started to like, what, once I moved over to West loop is when I really transitioned into doing the longer sessions and, and one client a day working on a big piece. And most of those pieces are pieces that stick out to me because I've spent so much time looking at that tattoo, multiple sessions working on it. So it's gotten a lot better. Um, just in that regard for me to be able to remember clients and remember the tattoos I've done because I've slowed down, um, and I'm not like just turning and burning and trying to trying to fill my day with as many tattoos as I can. That was really the, um, the culture at the first shop I was at, it was a street shop and you, you know, it's people walk in, get that tattoo done, get them out the door, get the next person in the chair. And those are the tattoos that you forget about. Those are the clients you forget about, but the clients that come in and, and sit with you and converse with you and connect with you, like those are the ones that are going to stick with you for a lot longer. You, you know, I know what you're saying. Um, I guess what I was getting at was though, like 
even those little clients that you are turning and burning, you know, like they still remember you. I'll give you a perfect example. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, like I was just on vacation. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're at the campground and this guy like, so we're at this campground and a guy from a tattoo shop that I tattooed at a shop a hundred miles away from that campground is there recognizes me. <laughs> I don't remember him, but he asks me about my wife and my daughter and like knows all this shit about my life that's happened. You know, I, I tattooed him like eight years ago oh, and he man. still knows all this <laughs> stuff about me because of the internet. Um, so like these people, we're still like super important people in their lives somehow. There's almost like a lot of pressure in that too, if you think about it enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had that a couple of times, um, where people will like almost the identical situation where I don't remember the client. Um, and they'll, they'll be like, Hey, how's this? How's that? How's your life going? And I'm like, how do I know you exactly? It's like, it's, and that's, it's so awkward when that happens. And, and I think on, you know, maybe a subconscious level, that's a motivator for me too, to be a little bit more present and in my sessions and, and in my clients' lives. Like it's definitely um, sort of been a little bit of a push for me to be more uh, inclined to remember. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, you. it's so funny the way like trying to be a decent person works, at least mm -hmm. like for me, like I only recognize like, oh, that's something I should do to be a decent person when it's pointed out that I'm not doing it and if therefore mm. a piece of shit, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, I'm a really, really like not acting cool right now. I need to figure out how to change this. But then you still have all this time in the past. Now you're aware that that wasn't cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like it, it sucks, too, man, because sometimes like having a, a less than stellar experience with a client is unavoidable. Um, and those are always, I mean, we don't have to touch on that too much, but you and I both know that we've, we've experienced that and it's not, uh, it's not pleasant. No, it's um, exhausting. It is. Like, you know, there's so much empathy that goes into a good tattoo. Um, and I think that's basically what we've been talking about right now, but there's so much empathy. So like if a client comes in and they're hard to deal with, Mm. You know, whether it's they're just having shit going on at home or, you know, they don't like what's what the tattoo is for or they feel like they aren't like super 100 percent on the tattoo. All that stuff just rubs off on you. Mm. Um, keeps me up at night when that shit happens. Yeah, man, it's it's a. It really is a, kind of amazing how quickly like the the mood can be thrown off in a whole room. If one client is, uh, you know, just not really passing the vibe check as the kids are seeing these days. Um, and Man, it, it's like, even harder when it's a coworker. I don't know if you've yeah. ever been in that situation. You've only been at a couple shops, but you're like, that's such a hard thing to deal with. Cause then it's like, there's no even escaping that shit. No, dude. Yeah. No, I've definitely experienced that, man. Um, there've been, several instances i can recall where just like the tension was honestly palpable in the air you could walk in the room and know something was wrong and and it just like there have been too many too many times where i've been at work 
feeling like I have to walk on eggshells. I'm like, this, this is like not cool. Yeah. Uh, this is not an environment I, I want to be in long term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, fuck. And then like, I don't guys like me, I end up like, I worked at this one shop for like four years. I couldn't fucking stand one of the guys that I worked with. And like, <laughs> I just kept, I just kept going. I was like, if I quit, then he wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like in your head, you're like, it's either going to be him or me and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I left and it was the best thing I ever did in my life, but <laughs> I did for you, it, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's like when you see that shit too, at that point, you're like, oh, I should have just done that sooner. <laughs> yeah, man. You didn't, you didn't let your ego win in that situation. Yeah. You were like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to take the L if that's how I perceive it, but I'm going to go find something better for myself. Yeah. Thankfully, I've not had that in recent memory, so that's good. Mm -hmm. That's great, man. Yeah, I just, um, just to comment on that, man the the atmosphere and the the dynamic that we have at West Loop is is, you know, far and away the the best experience I've had in any job I've had throughout my life. Yeah, Um, Josh. Josh is a nice shop. It's just so low key. Mm -hmm. Okay. I never told you the story about uh you were you talked about your interview with him. Uh I went in and I thought I was going in for an interview and mm-hmm. he handed me keys and started telling me like, <laughs> where stuff was put in storage. And I was like, Oh, I thought I was just coming to talk about getting this job. <laughs> and he's like literally handing me a copy of the keys and being like, So when could you start? And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, this oh, is not uh... what I expected. Okay, we gotta figure this out. <laughs> I honestly, man, I, a lot of my interview, um, was not really what I expected either. You know, I, I, I had one, uh, I didn't really talk about this too much when I was talking about my initial sort of come up in this career, but, um, I briefly like four months after I finished my apprenticeship at, uh, the first shop I was at my buddy, Robbie left the shop he was at. And put a word in with the owner of that shop to hire me. And I had been like four months fresh off my apprenticeship. My tattoos still looked like bad. Like I couldn't pull super clean lines yet at that point. I was, um, I mean, truthfully, like I should, I probably like should have still been considered an apprentice, but at, at the shop I started at, the owner was like, all right, you're, you're tattooing now, you know, get, just take walk-ins. Um, and I think like that was, I had a very streamlined apprenticeship and that's a, a whole new tangent we can go on. Um, but I, I was sort of like thrown to the wolves in a way um, and didn't have a lot of hands-on instruction. Um, but I don't regret anything uh, because, you know, it's all led me to where I am. So, I mean, it's, it's all relative. But uh, I went over to this other shop for i worked there like a month and a half and it was one of the most toxic like tense constant anxious anxiety um environments that i'd ever been in and you want to talk about walking on eggshells man i felt like every day i was there i had to like like i felt like i couldn't move i felt like i was being you know, watched like a sheep 
by a pack of wolves. And, you know, it, it, that was the, the environment of that shop was very competitive. Um, there was a lot of like artists talking behind your back and, uh, like very clicky, you know, like there were even other artists there, like, like there was one artist there who told me like, yeah, and this, this other guy, like, we don't really like him, but he's here, but we don't like him. And I was just like, this is fucked up. How many people were um, at that shop? Was it big? It was, I mean, they had recently expanded. Um, it was a big shop. I want to say they had one, two, three, four, five, five. Uh, yeah, five, I think five artists when I was there. I was the sixth artist. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was just a bad situation. Um, so I um, I left that shop. I was I was technically fired. Um, and there's a whole story behind that we don't have to get into. Uh, I, I get think it, it was all yeah. I think it was all I I think it was all calculated. I think like from the get go. Like don't get me wrong. I think I was maybe I think the owner of the shop. Like when he hired me, he thought he was getting something different and he thought my skill level was maybe a bit further along than it was. Um, but he had already offered me the job. And instead of like being cool and just being like, hey, man, like, like, you know, no disrespect, but there was a little like a little bit of a misunderstanding. And I just I don't think I can keep you here, um, which I would have been super bummed out about. But it would have been a far, far better uh, way to handle things than what was handled. But like. I, you know, there was like a big like spectacle made about it. I was fired. There were like chairs being thrown at the fucking wall. It was, it was like not good. And it was like very, um, I just, I had like just shell shock from it, man. So like fast going, you know, yeah, circling I'm back. Sorry. I'm, I'm sitting here laughing at this just because like, this is such <laughs> like a typical tattoo shop. That's, drama I, know, moment. I know, I know, like, I, I know. I actually like, I would be like, I'm glad that you got that experience out of your career. When oh, you were yeah. like still fresh and before you kind of moved into the more custom tattoo world. Uh, yeah. Cause it's just such a healthy experience. Like if somebody hasn't punched you while you were at work or like the owner hasn't like threatened to pull a gun or literally pulled a gun on you. Like, are you even really a tattooer? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I definitely felt like I, I became a much more well-rounded um, <laughs> artist yeah. after that experience. But so that, that whole experience really left me um, very sort of wary and, and shell-shocked to, to even want to move away from where I was at because I, ended up going back to the shop I started at. I was fortunate enough that the owner was willing to even take me back. Um, cause he was pretty pissed that I, I left. Like he, he gave me an apprenticeship and then he got four months out of me. Um, like he basically didn't get a return on his investment, you know? Um, and, and I can totally understand that he would be upset about that. Like I initially was like, Hey man, I'm going to go work at the shop. And I want to put in, like, I want to give you two weeks notice because, like, that's customary, right? And he was like, oh, okay, man, yeah, like, that's fine. And then I came back the next day and he was like, yeah, you know what, man? If you're going to go, why don't you just go and just take all your shit and get out? And I was like, oh, but like, oh, shit. Like, I, I I don't know, dude. I used to, like, before before tattooing, I really feel like I, I was completely, like, living in a bubble, Um 
as far as like my experience with with the workplace and just people in general and i, I know the tattoo industry uh itself is is you know you can't really compare it to any other industry because it's so so vast and so, like there's so many experiences that people have that are just so off the wall and so against like like nothing about tattooing is like the corporate world at all yeah um but but it just was like i was like oh my god and like i went like i had that happen and then i went to this new shop and had this like fucking terrible experience um that i just i don't know how i even like like at some point like there was a point like in my life where if had i been younger i was like i probably would have been like well fuck this i'm not tattooing like this is this is so horrible um but i had like i i, I was like this is it like i have to make this work so i like swallowed my pride i went back to the first shop owner um shop owner and he was like yeah you know what you can come back and work for me i just want you to like at least commit to giving me a full year of working here and i was like dude no problem i am happy to do that um so i worked and i ended up working there for like another year and a half uh when you know the whole thing happened with josh uh looking for an artist and i worked for a year and a half eventually moved over to west loop but like i was i was so wary of going to talk to josh because of what happened with that old shop i was like dude like I don't even, I don't even know how this is going to go. And then Josh like sits down with me and he's like the nicest person I've ever met and is like super like attentive and personable and like, 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 like right away I was like, oh, this guy's different. Um, and it like in an instant, I, w I wouldn't say like, there, you know, there were still moments of me like almost being like, this, this, this has got to be like, you know, too this is a trap. True. Yeah, it's a trap. Like exactly, I was like, "This is a this is a fucking trap." Um, but you know, it just. It, I mean, it, I'm I'm gonna be actually this month will be two full years that I've worked at West Loop, and um, at, you know, as the time has gone on, man, like every every shred of doubt that I had about the situation just melted away, and I realized, like, no, I'm I'm gonna save place with people who are my friends who have like we have mutual respect for one another we communicate openly um and we you know we understand the value of communication and, and if there's ever an issue we address it right away um and it's uh it's just it's been awesome man and, and i was not expecting i was not expecting it to be so that's another reason to be happy <laughs> every awesome. day another reason to be uh grateful for for where i'm at full circle um we're coming up on like the hour mark i think we're a little past it do you have like any piece of advice to give to anybody out there who's just not happy with the situation they find themselves in whether it's working a dead-end nine-to-five or a shop they hate or just not happy with their artwork whatever it is um what advice would you give them to help them motivate to make a change? I would say, first off, takes like take some time to really 
like look inside yourself and and just like make sure that you are confident with where you want to go like like if you man that's such a loaded question <laughs> when you think about it but i guess you know to not like turn this into another hour-long conversation um you know really tap into your resources um if you're if you're not confident in your portfolio seek out an artist who's willing to maybe review it give you some pointers um if you're feeling stuck uh in your job try to take a step back and maybe consider some options that you didn't think were options you know i didn't think tattooing was any kind of a viable option for me and now that's like my whole life um if you're feeling like you're in a position that you're like not comfortable or not safe really start like planning your exit strategy try to try to find somewhere that you feel you can thrive you can grow you can be in a safe environment you can be with people you trust and people you enjoy to be around um you really have so much power in your ability to make decisions about your own life that uh, can put you in a better position and and just recognize that you have that power and you have that ability um and and like bottom line is like don't you know do not come into anywhere with an ego or thinking that you have nothing more to learn because i'm learning more every single day i never ever ever want to get to a point in my life where i feel like you know i'm the smartest guy in the room or i'm like i'm like the guy you know i just want to always stay humble and 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 always be looking for more ways to to better myself as an artist as a as a person who does business you know as a as a tattooer from a technical standpoint you know learning new skills it's it's just it's the number one takeaway from all of this is just always be looking to be better and and to bring value not only to your own life but to those around you it's awesome man um and then finally if people want to look you up uh, get tattooed by you ask you some more advice how do they find you uh, so you can find me on instagram my handle is at gigs dot tattoos g-i-g-s dot tattoos uh and my email is gigs tattoos at gmail.com you can also look up west loop tattoo collective um i'm on the i think i'm listed on either the website or the instagram as a resident artist there and uh yeah just shoot me an email if you have questions uh if you want to ask me like if you want me to be that person to say like hey can you look at my portfolio i will do it um i'm i'm happy to to bring value to to you in any way i can whomever's listening